Samuel. Cuts it back. Ohio State wins. I put my heart in God. Let's go, man. That is as good as it gets. I represent me in this issue. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Really on the field, a touchdown is confirmed. Fourth and two now. You've got to get two yards. I don't know. I don't think so. No way. Kentucky wins. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Peace of Mind podcast. It's been a little bit of a break since our last episode, but thanks for tuning in. My name is uh, Kevin Jackson, and I'm with AJ Nance, as always. Yes, sir. Great to be back. Um, we've It's been a couple weeks since our last episode, um, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to uh, podcasts. Uh, please rate five stars. Leave a comment. Leave a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, speaking of reviews, I'd like to give out a couple of reviews uh, right off the bat to some people that have been loyal listeners. Um, first off, we got Sam Jackson, 28. She says, love to listen to these two talk football and sports. They know their stuff and keep it entertaining with around Mount Rushmore topics. Keep it up. Also, a bourbon giveaway sounds like a great idea. P.S. Go Blue. <laughs> Don't love that one. I'm surprised you read it. I thought you were just going to leave it off. <laughs> I can't do that. That's fair. That's fair. Um, following up in the Jackson family, we got the fourth Jackson brother who says, uh, send the sticker back home. Enjoy listening to you both. We appreciate that that shout out and that review. And we'll definitely uh, get working on those stickers and get those out. We haven't forgotten about you all yet, um, but we're working on getting those as we speak. Yeah, we've got um, got NLV for OSU. It says great episode on youth sports. You guys are doing a great job. OH also give uh, gave a Mount Rushmore topic restaurants, which um, you uh, stay in tune, stay tuned because uh, you might like what you hear. Yeah, Kevin, I got I actually got to introduce you to Nick one of these days, but that's my guy Nick there, big Ohio State fan, and so uh, I'm sure you two will get along just fine. I had no idea you had another Ohio State fan. Shockingly, I have multiple. I don't know how, but you know, I guess I guess quality football guys just run together. I don't have many Tennessee fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> but last and not least, uh, Jay Nance, fifteen, back again with another great uh, review for us. It says the U Sports episode was multiple fire emojis. <laughs> uh, Great insight from you both. Um, so shout out to my sister there, but we appreciate um, all four of these reviews. Don't forget, we since we haven't um, created all those stickers yet, we can extend that until this weekend. So if you've got friends, family um, that also listen to the show and want to review, uh, let us know. Tell them to sign up and leave us some comments, and we'll make sure to get those stickers out to, to them as well. Um, also, Kevin, did you want to touch on the the uh, fundraiser that we did? I do. To all those listeners, or if this is your first time listening, our last episode, we did an interview with defensive tackle Corey Peters for the Arizona Cardinals. Talked about his combine experience and um, you know his career in the NFL. And uh, at the end of the episode, we mentioned about uh, the charity work that he does. And uh, in south side of Phoenix, he helps out South Point Elementary School 
with uh, you know their new principal and them trying to you know revamp their school, uh, update their school library. So we hosted a fundraiser, started a GoFundMe, and our peace of mind listeners came through huge and donating five hundred and seventy dollars. That's seventy dollars more than our uh, more than our goal. We um, set a goal to send five hundred dollars worth of uh, children's books, chapter books, picture books. Uh, to their school, uh, to update their li- library, make it more culturally responsive to to their kids, the students that they teach. And um, just want to give a big shout out to all of you uh, listeners that donated. Like I said, we donated $570 worth of books, shipped them straight from Amazon to South Point. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. Uh, South, look Just look up South Point Elementary School. They'll come up. They're the Griffins. Uh, they posted uh, a picture today. They just received all the books and they laid them out. And it's a great site. They're very appreciative, sent emails and everything. So thank you to all the listeners who donated. Um, That's a huge, huge uh, gesture to donate your money to help some kids that you've never known or never met. So appreciate all you guys. That is a, uh, that's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. And just to to double down on that, I believe that that $570 was raised in a little under four days, which is yeah. amazing. And, and it's really incredible what happens when, uh, you know, good people get together uh, for a great cause. Um, we were able to send 48 books to the school, which is also incredible. And it's just um, for me, the biggest part is knowing like there's a generation coming after us that is going to be able to read books um, with main characters and successful characters that look like themselves. Um, and it's just creating hope for, for that, uh, that generation. And that's awesome for us to be able to do. Um, we hope to be able to do um, some more fundraising and some more efforts like that with a few of our, our guests that we'll have in the future. But ultimately as a, as a first shot effort, like it was incredible to see the amount of people that wanted to pitch in and help out and, uh, we're thankful that we were able to accomplish that for for South Point. Yeah. And also, what I love is, like, I've got a ton of books in my classroom where I teach. And a lot of the book, books kids just won't pick up because they're either old or, I mean, they're just not relatable. And mm-hmm. so we made an effort to send all hardbacks like brand new books that are popular. We did a lot of research. Uh, we got a lot of uh, input from current teachers about like what are the most popular books. So we sent high quality books that kids actually want to get their hands on that libraries can't keep in stock because kids are checking them out. And so we just wanted to send, we were able to send them the top notch, best of the best books. I mean, I know 48 books doesn't sound like a lot, but children books are expensive. And those are going to last a long time. Plus, kids really want them. So we didn't send 150 books so that were just going to sit on a shelf and nobody's going to care about. Right, right. I, I'm doubling down on that comment. And again, just something that we were able to to accomplish. It's it's a great feat, and uh, we look to do that a little bit more. So yeah, again, thanks to all those who who helped us out. So um, let's get started, man. Lots happened since yeah. the last time we, since we got together. Yeah, um, 
a lot of like moving around, so to speak. Um, a lot of a lot of things that will play out here in just a couple months. I mean, we're we're well, we're right under about uh, five months here, and I think the we got the spring. main thing that I'm looking at is spring practice starting. Yeah, yeah, we got spring practice. The combine happens. People are transferring. Uh, people uh, are starting to play right away. I mean, we've got current news. Uh, breaking news that I mean just came out today. We've got NCAA tournament happening. I mean it's a it's an exciting time in the off season. This is the peace of mind news and notes. Uh, what do you want to talk about first? Tate Martell being declared like eligible to play immediately in the twenty nineteen season is a big deal. So I guess we can definitely start there. And I know that, that does, does that definitively. Does Tate Martell's situation definitively end college football transfer rules? Like, is this? Yeah, I think, is this? I was gonna say, I think with this, like, this is, um, I think this is the beginning of the the end for the the transfer rules. I figure yeah. maybe not next year, but within the next two years, I feel like something's getting tinkered with. I know that basketball's been doing a lot of talking. Uh, regarding like the one and done versus going straight to the league thing. And I think right around the time they institute that new change of rule, I think we're going to see something different in uh, Division One transfers. Because at this point in time, like the hardships some of these guys are claiming and, and, and the reasons why they're changing school and, and still getting to play, they're just, I mean, they're not really, not, I won't say they're not legitimate. They're just not, there's not a lot of pushback on that, it seems like. Guys are really getting, um, they're really getting the solution that they're aiming for, and I just feel like why why institute a rule that doesn't seem to be causing that much trouble if they're able to play immediately, you know? Well, so for those of you who don't know, Tate Martell is a backup quarterback at Ohio State, and uh, he sat behind J.T. Barrett and Dwayne Haskins. Actually, J.T. Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow. And he was kind of fourth in line, but he redshirted. He knew that. And so then Joe Burrow transfers to LSU. JT Barrett graduates. Dwayne Haskins is the starter. Um, and then um, Tate Martell is a backup. And so that was this past season. Now Dwayne Haskins going to the NFL. Tate Martell thought he was going to be the guy. And then you got Georgia transfer. Justin Fields comes in and – that's when Tate Martell decides he's going to transfer. Urban Meyer retires. And I I mean, what is – did you know what Tate Martell listed as his hardship? No, I didn't. Because – because well, so in in NCAA football, you gotta you got to sit out a year if you mm-hmm. transfer. And it's just to keep kids from just transferring schools every year. And so you got to sit out a year and unless you can prove, prove that you went through a hardship. For example, uh, you commit and coach gets on an NCAA violation and the program gets put on uh, probation. Or, uh, for example, I would mention another Florida, uh, Ohio State kid going to Florida, um, Trevin Grimes, the, the, uh, the wide receiver. He is in Columbus and his mom gets sick. And so he's like, I don't want to go to school here anymore. I want to go home to Florida and so my mom comes see me play. I can be closer to home. NCAA says, yep, that's a legitimate hardship. You're good to go. I mean, I think, honestly, like Justin Fields, 
in my opinion, was borderline a stretch. Stretch. I mean, yeah, like to that, an extent, because like, you think about it, like really, like one kid made a, a comment. I mean, that you know of. So for right. if, if you don't know, Justin Fields, his hardship was based on the fact that a baseball player at Georgia was yelling racial slurs at him. Was it during a game? It was during the game, but like to my knowledge, crowd. I thought that he was like the kid was removed from the team and ultimately kicked out of school chose, and everything. Yeah. That's what so, I, I mean. Thought, like, so really, I mean, is Justin Fields still in a hardship? Like, you know what I mean? And I think right. what it proved is that the NCAA really didn't want to fight that fight, didn't want to fight the racial fight or anything like that right off the bat. So they, I mean, obviously they're going to grant that, right? Because you know, if they don't grant that, then it's it's an absolute. Oh, it's a I madhouse mean, if they don't. Because I think that's a legitimate reason. Like, hey, look, Georgia got rid of the kid. That's an isolated event. That doesn't really happen to college football players. Unless, you know, Justin Fields is lawyer, which comes up to another point, is athletes now are hiring lawyers to handle this case and finding a hardship reason with the university that they'll both agree on. And then they take it to the NCAA, and the NCAA really has their hands tied because the lawyers do such a good job. But... Uh, unless in their research they proved that this is happening to a lot of football players, that there's a racial issue on the University of Georgia campus, which you've never heard before, any other instances, who knows? So, I, I I'd have to agree. I think I think the transfer rule probably needs to be revamped and just maybe not open the floodgates, but just modernize something. It. Yeah, make yeah. a transfer I mean, period at the end of the season. I don't like to see this. I don't like to see this transfer during the like. Kelly Bryant, like, I don't, like, no. Stop transferring during the middle season. That's ridiculous. You made a commitment. I think it teaches the wrong thing to kids. No, like, you made a commitment. You're in there for the season. Now, you're not going to lose your eligibility, but, like, at the end of the season, cool. Here's our transfer window. You can open it up. You can allow, you can, during this time frame, maybe it's two weeks, you can transfer, um, kind of like declare for the NFL draft, mm-hmm. and boom, there you go. Like, One thing that kind of sticks out to me about that, though, is with the with the changing of the redshirting rule, where it's not like the first four games of the season, but it's any four games any of the four season. Games, right. Do you feel like that uh, perhaps puts a different, I guess, spin on how they're gonna they're gonna view uh, transferring? Because, like, technically, if you redshirt, right, you can play the next year if you set out, right. Right. I mean, like, yeah. So if you if you redshirt, I mean, you play in any four games. Technically, you can be granted another year of eligibility. So, like, I could play the SEC championship, or like the Iron Bowl, the SEC championship, and then our two playoff games, but still technically have my eligibility. Yeah. For that year. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. I mean, now again, what kid is not playing the entire season and then is good enough to play in the SEC championship game, the Iron Bowl, the playoff game, and the national championship? You know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's gonna I mean, be barring an injury, yeah, like sure, right. right, and or I mean, like also like the fact that you're gonna even notice, right. you know what I mean? Right. Like that kid's probably gonna be a special teams kid or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind it. Like, let the kids go. Like, but here's my thing: is like you get one. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, I, 
it'd be bad for everybody because all of a sudden they're kids. You're 20 years old. You don't need to be making, you don't need to go. Cause I know how many parents there are, how many uncles are out there, you know, just piping into kids ears transfer. Oh, this didn't work. And then the kid's like, Oh my gosh, you know, uh, maybe the school I was at wasn't so bad. Grass, I made a huge grass mistake. Is greener. Yeah. Yep. I made a huge mistake. I want to go back. You know, I, I, I really just think it puts some responsibility back into the kids. And that's what you need to teach at this age is you get one shot. You better do your research. You better make it right. All that kind of thing. So I got no problem with it. Let them transfer. Give them one. I don't mind. The, I don't want mind the one year rule. And it actually touches on a point that we're going to cover here with the next topic. But it's very similar to that. That fifth year senior transfer rule. Um, whereas we're looking Not even at, fifth year. The graduate transfer. Graduate transfer. Excuse me. Excuse me. Not fifth year. But looking at like uh, Wisconsin corner, quarterback uh, Hornerbrook that's announcing that he's going to transfer to Florida Dude, State. Terrible. Right. B- b- well, I mean, he's like, good he's, enough he's, to he's, still he's start games. Game. Sure. But if you're a team, I mean, if, like he, in my opinion, like, like if you're a team Hornerbrook that needs a quarterback, be, like, yeah. Yeah. Like pre Jalen Hurts, like Hornerbrook would be the perfect Alabama quarterback. I don't hate that. I Somebody that just runs the ball, no pressure on him. I mean, he fit okay in that system at Wisconsin. Um, and he had his moments like in the sugar or in the, the Orange Bowl against Miami. Well, everybody had a moment then. But, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, in his, I mean, he's got a winning record as a quarterback, correct? Like, I'm pretty sure he's got a winning record as a starting quarterback. Like, he's... Well, he's got respectable statistics. The problem is, Wisconsin plays in the Big Ten West. They're flat out better than everybody in the Big Ten West. But when he plays Michigan, when he plays Ohio State, granted that one bowl game against against Miami, like, he's prone to throw the pick in the big situation. You know what I mean? I'm, I mean, I guess if you're Florida State, you know you've at least got one dub on the, on the schedule this year because... <laughs> if he's beat up on Miami two straight years, like he, yeah, you just put true. him in and let him go to work. Yeah, that's a whole but, uh, other that's a whole other conversation. That whole Wisconsin versus Miami, just um, like football players versus athletes, that kind of thing. Like you know, it feels like Miami's got a lot of athletes recently. You know, like a lot of guys that are seven on seven superstars, Instagram famous, like you know. Not really like the Miami of old who are just like, they're just straight up football players. They're just going to come knock you in the teeth. Right. Well, let me ask you this. And and you've probably got a little bit more um, insight on Hornerbrook than I do. But looking at um, James Blackman and, and Alex Hornerbrook, who do you think is going to end up the starter at Florida State? And do you expect that person to, you know, be the starter throughout the season? Well, it depends on um, it depends on what Florida State wants, in my opinion. With um, with with quarterback, I mean James Blackman has played, but you could argue that Alex Hornerbrook is going to be that like stable force in a huddle, you know, that's kind of been there for a long time. Um, he can stay healthy. He can manage a game. He's not going to go out and just win you a national title. But I think Florida State's probably not looking to win a national title. They need mm-hmm. a guy that can they get they need a guy that can not turn the ball over, stay healthy, 
kind of weather the storm and kind of get Florida State back on track. And he could be the guy that does that. Now, mm-hmm. again, I don't – I mean, James Blackman – I mean, I haven't watched James Blackman, Blackman very much other than that one season. But that one season, I mean, what do you really know? He's an underweight, skinny freshman who is put into a bad situation that, you know, already – he really be and so i mean that'll they'll find out real quick in spring practice but um i wouldn't be surprised if hornybrook wins wins the job because of those reasons of just trying to get a program back on track right and i'll say this um one thing that that does kind of stand out to me there is uh, we mentioned a few episodes ago i'm not exactly sure which one but a few episodes ago we talked about um florida state not recruiting a quarterback this season which making it two straight years that they didn't recruit a quarterback, which is kind of crazy to me. But at the same time, I think what at least this move does is it sures up that you do have a, a, a decent backup, whichever way you go with quarterbacks, especially like the way their lines performed the last yeah, couple God of knows years. They need it. Like, right. You're, you know that whoever ends up winning the starting job is going to spend some time out of the game because there's no way they can protect that man. So I do think that, that helps him. It's it's almost like the uh, the Tennessee Titans getting Tannehill. Nobody would say he's a world beater, but he's an upgrade from what they've had at backup quarterback. And if you're looking at Marcus Mariota, like you, hey, I know he's not gonna make it healthy through the season. So right. at least we're solidifying someone who has experience and can go potentially keep us in a game. Right, and Willie Willie Taggart needs it. I mean, right. if he has a losing record this year, they're done. They're toast. So he desperately needs eight and four. Like, yeah. des- eight and four and a bowl win. I mean, if you think about it, he's got obviously he needs eight and four on an offensive line because he's got two quarterbacks now that it can least manage the game. Okay, so we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, these first two topics, but we got one more that we want to touch on. Um, this is former quarterback, uh, Texas quarterback, Vince Young, uh, was recently fired from what was originally a full-time position that got switched to a part-time position, and now he's fired because of his second DWI arrest. Um, this is his second offense in, in less than three years. Um, the part-time job was originally $100,000 just to do like basically just just be a guy that we could you know show off to recruits and and just be around the program just so people like recognize you and and who you were and just stay out of trouble for a hundred thousand dollars i just like to beat the point home that it was a six-figure deal and they had to shrink it to a part-time job for $50,000 because he was having trouble showing up uh, and being available. And then he got fired from that. Um, is this it for Vince Young? Well, no, it's not. Not at Texas. I mean, it won't be in this fashion or with the university, but you won a national championship at Texas. Like, he'll be fine. I don't know how much money he's going to get paid, but, um, yo, hundred grand. To do nothing. Dog, I'd be up bright-eyed and bushy-tailed every morning. Could I'd, I'd have the coldest sales pitch for Kentucky they'd football to, you've ever seen They'd have to ask life. me to stop shaking kids' hands. 
God, man, I are you a hundred thousand? I don't think like I get it. Like he's made more money than that in his lifetime. I have not. So for a hundred thousand dollars, like I would right. be all the way in there for this for this job. And all you got to do is just all you got to do is just show up. Yeah, I uh, I had a I had a teammate at Air Force who was a quarterback as well. He's from Texas, and he would go to Texas's football camp every year in high school. And uh, he like Vince Young was around all the time. I think this was towards the end of Vince Young's career. Mm-hmm. And he said Vince Young was around all the time and, um, you know, at the camps doing drills and talking to kids. And um, one of the players on Texas said that Vince Young has his own key to Texas, the, <laughs> to, the, to the football facility. And I've been, I've, been to, I've been to Austin. Like, I've been to the football stadium. Mm-hmm. I've walked around the, the facilities and stuff. And, like, dude had his own, uh, own key any time of the night. Any time of the day, he could just go turn on the lights to the entire stadium, go throw, do whatever That's he wanted. Fire. So, That's fire. I mean, I, he's going to be fine. Like, it's just <laughs> formally. I mean, if they can pay recruits mm-hmm. probably 50 grand, like, he'll be just fine. They'll find a way to get him money. I'll say this. Um, and I won't throw a, that friend under the bus, but I do have a friend that was um, a teammate with or like partially a teammate with Vince Young for a little bit of time. And with who? At Texas or the Titans? I'm not in, indulging in that information, but I do have a friend right. that was a teammate, but um <laughs> he just said he was not the the brightest guy. He was like the like Oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Now, I know a lot of people made it, you know, uh a joke about his um his Wonderlick score, which is not an easy test. So like, I'll give you that. So a lot of people made a joke about that. And that doesn't always determine like uh, smarts and intelligence. But what I will say is uh, this same friend told me that he would hear the play called aloud during camp from the offensive coordinator and still incorrectly say it or describe it in the huddle in really? less than five seconds. And he just like he just didn't. Not all his motors were firing as fast as some other people. So it doesn't, doesn't surprise me. And so I mean, and I'll say this like, and I know we joke we joke about like the hundred thousand dollars and stuff, and it's not really a joke. Like you should do your job and show up on time for what is a ridiculous amount of money to do the bare minimum. But uh, I do think he has a problem, and like. Hopefully, somewhere along the lines, like uh, he can get the help he needs to get rid of that problem. Because um, I don't think that how he's progressing right now. It's not a joke. Yeah, right. Like I don't think how he's progressing right now is doing himself any favors. And like the last thing that I'd want to happen is to turn on the news and and you know have this horrific story of you know an injury or death because um, of an alcohol related problem. Right. So that's tough. I love watching Vince Young. That national championship game with USC was, was I mean, for me, the just because I'm biased, the number two, but like what you talk about the cheating bowl where y'all from an, Miami from an <laughs> that's, that's the most ridiculous <laughs> statement ever. Cheating, the, man. The, it's that's terrible. 
Um, I recently read an article about how bad the officiating was for Ohio State, like the for the rest of the game, and like they show clips of like all the passes that were caught that were called incomplete, like Mm -hmm. the the like screenshots of from from like live game footage of Ohio State's jerseys like receivers being held like away from their body, like no holding calls are ever called. And well, they um, called one at the end of the game. That's they sure the shit did. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, was, that was a hell of a, like, to be a guy that was cheering for, like, Miami. I was a huge Miami Hurricanes fan um, in middle school and a little bit of high school. But, like, to be a guy that was probably cheering for my, Miami, like, I mean, that was still a, an awesome game to watch. Sure. Right? I, mean, I mean, it was just a different type of game. I mean, you had, like, a big underdog versus the juggernaut. Whereas, like, I mean, you think about what, like 35 straight or something, 34 in a row, Ohio State was double digit underdogs. I mean, barely squeaking through games. And then, I mean, to be honest with you, in 05, Texas um, playing USC, USC was on a 34 game winning streak as well. But there, the difference was it wasn't Texas wasn't such a big underdog. Like it was just too, it was just two heavyweights going at it. I think Vince Young having that chip on his shoulder, not winning the Heisman too, was like huge for that game because he felt like he had something to prove. Right, right. So, man, talk about quarterbacks. That's great. Last one that we want to touch on here is that the NCAA has actually approved Florida and Miami, their first game of the season being moved up uh, to August 24th. Um, Typically, I think the the first games of the season we're going to start on either the 30th or the 31st of August this year. But uh, it's the 150th anniversary of college football season. It's going to be a 7 o'clock game on ESPN. Like, how do you feel about them moving, bumping that game up a week? I'm surprised they did it. Like, that's really early, especially for, like, a primetime game. Usually those really early games are, like, Utah State versus Michigan State, like, on a Friday night before the rest of the season starts. Like, we all know Michigan State's going to win that game. Uh, usually big primetime games like that aren't that early. I think it's cool, though. I mean, that's a big in-state rival. Um, I mean, good for them. I mean, everybody's going to watch, so that's what college football is going to want. I think that, I mean, that just puts college football on the map a week earlier. Um, I, for a person who normally it's, the the beginning of August and I'm just fiending for football. Like I love this. I just hope that, um, well, two things, one, like, you know, the players stay safe. But, uh, one thing that I think that this may do for them is it gives Florida and Miami an extra, um, bye week. And I think if I'm not mistaken, twice in the last two years, they've had to either reschedule a game or cancel a game because of a hurricane. Right. Yeah. So, at least, I guess, giving you this additional, um, this additional bye week. Heaven forbid something happened, but if it does, you've got a little bit more flexibility in your schedule to reschedule something. Yeah, 150 years of college football. That's wild. That is. I, and could I you imagine like, like the Leatherheads, like with Rutgers, like you know, like imagine what they're with what would college football would be like today. I'm I'm going on I'm going on wax right here to say that I think that Nike will unveil Nike and um, Adidas, Adidas will unveil 
some like it's not centennial, but whatever the hundred fifty, whatever the word for that is, uh, right. <laughs> some jerseys for that particular event. I think uh, Miami as uh, one of the few uniforms that Adidas does that aren't terrible. I I agree. I'll say this though: they're not better than what they were. No, I um, uh, Miami's uniforms were iconic. Oh yeah! Like in that turn of the century, like they were like the fresh new uniforms, and now you just obviously Oregon took that award, and then you know whatever uh, alternates, whatever teams wearing that week, kind of just kind of takes the Twitterverse by storm. Do you think like, and this is just me, but I tr- I truly believe this. I think that some of the top tier talent doesn't go to certain schools because of who they're branded by. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine being blessed with that much talent that I could be like, nah, I don't really want to play for you. Cause I like you're Adidas. Like but definitely you gotta think like Miami's not the top tier school anymore. So, I mean like the one thing that they probably like kids that were like could revitalize them. They're like, Oh, they're struggling. And they're wearing Adidas, and I'm a Nike person. Like, no, I'm not going there. Well, I mean, I mean, like, name a successful Adidas football team. Hmm. I mean, Miami is that it? Mich- Michigan for a while was Adidas, but they're terrible. Mich- Michigan's up there. Um, they were the worst. Indiana. Louisville was up there for a little bit. Um, UCLA, like. UCLA's Under Armour though. Oh yeah, they did change. Wow. UCLA's uh, Under Armour. Wisconsin. I mean, they were always Adidas, and now they're Under Armour. Uh, is te- Texas A and M's Adidas? Texas A and M uh, and Mississippi State are Adidas. Mississippi State definitely is. Tennessee was on uh, Adidas for many of years until probably like two, three years ago. Well, it doesn't I, matter. I would say it doesn't right, matter what but they I, were. I, I would say I mean, they're, that they they're were gonna probably. Be bad anyway. I would say they were probably the most one of the most successful brands on. On for um, Adidas, yeah, probably. Adidas, yeah, I'd say so. That's fair. I would say like Under Armour has moved into the firm number two. Yeah, I, I mean you'd have you probably have to, which is I'm amazing. Sure, I'm sure money wise, no, but that's true. I mean, from a national standpoint and a shoe standpoint, but right. Nonetheless, nonetheless. All right, let's take a let's take a quick yeah let's take a quick second. AJ and I were talking about in the break about when we were going to play the play Catan next, and I don't know if if Catan is a very popular game these days across (laughs) America, but we are officially hooked on Catan. I feel like we're kind of late to the game, me and you. I would say. Even more so myself, like you are a a very seasoned vet at Catan. Like I am very much a rookie in this. Uh, no, but I I've only played I've only played for a few months. For like the past uh, since like the summer or since last summer, right? Do you know when Catan came out? Nope. I think it came out in like 1989. Oh no no no! I do know when it it came out. Came out in 1995. I sent a I sent a sticker oh, the other you. day, and it gotcha. said "Ruining Friendship" since 95. So that's when it came out. 
I had I was blown away. I thought, man, this is great. How long has this game been out? And my, <laughs> my brother-in-law is like, he's in college. He's a junior at Wisconsin, and he's like, no, we play all the time. Like, it's been around forever. I I will say this. Um, <clears throat> I've so like I said, I'm late to the party, but Kevin, I've seen like y'all's like Snapchats and 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 pictures of the game and stuff. And every time you put it up, I'm just like, this looks awful. Like, this looks so <laughs> corny and boring. And I'm just like, I don't know how people play this game. I played exactly one game Friday, and I have officially hooked. Like, I've played every single day I was since bought Friday. In, I was bought in the, my first game. For months, my brother-in-law, who, which is wild, he's born in 2000. So Catan is older Katan is older than him. He's a junior in college. But uh, he, for like months, was like, hey, you got to play Katan. You got to play Katan. You love this game. And nine times out of ten, definitely not going to love it. <laughs> Anybody who tells you, like, dude, I promise you, like, you won't miss. Like, this game is exactly for you. Probably lying to you. <laughs> yeah. Within ten minutes. No, I'm done with this. This is boring. Nah, I'll say, we- like, the way you explained it to me is what hooked me. Because you basically told me the two things that like I enjoy. You said it's like craps and monopoly, oh, yeah. and I was like, "Huh? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah." I'm... That's actually a really good way to put it. I mean, it, it, I mean, it really is. If you think of like the dice and the number rolling, like that is very much like craps. Like if I have my chips sitting on the table on specific numbers, well, every time you hit that, I'm collecting chips, I'm collecting resources. But you saw that seven, whatever I got out there. Well, it's a little bit different, but whatever I got but, out there. I but hey, lose. no, though, for real, though, what's interesting, you talk about craps, like everybody thinks crap, like seven is the number to roll in craps, which it is if you're playing. If you're coming out, yeah. Yeah, if you're coming out, if you're playing the come bets and in, in the, in the pass line, then like, yeah, you want to roll a seven. Right. But if like the later in the game, the more money you got on the table, like, no, you, you don't want to roll a seven. And uh, it's just like that way in Catan. Like when you're starting off and you're like, eh, whatever, seven's good. I'll move the robber, steal some resources, and then, you know, <laughs> later in the game when you got more settlements and you're building it and you got all these cards and you roll a seven, you crap out, you're pissed. Please keep that seven and that robber far away from me. Uh, Dude, it's terrible, man. It's I, it's like some weird, weird, like voodoo mama juju stuff where, <laughs> like, you are ready to win the game and you sure shit get a seven. I get so, no. Do you? So again, you've played this game longer than I have. Is there? Could you give our audience? So for the people that don't know, could you give them a three to five minute spiel on the rules and how the game's played? Oh, I bet. Set the timer. I bet I can do it in one minute. All right. Well, timer's on. All right. So Catan is about this game where there's a island and you are trying to settle on this island and there are five resources wheat clay sheep ore and wood and you use those resources to build roads and settlements and cities and the goal is to get 10 points in this game and you get 10 points from building more settlements building more roads building more cities and you're trying to do this in a confined area with other players on the board how much where i'm at that was about 40 seconds. Oh, 40 seconds. We got time That's to spare. That's not bad. 
No, so the tile, the board is full of hexagon tiles. So it's a hexagon shaped um, board with a bunch of little hexes inside. And on each hex, there is a picture of the resource. And then all of these numbers randomly get put on the board. And if your settlement or city is on a hexagon with a number that is rolled, you get to collect that resource. And the more resources you collect, the more things you can build. Each person has a team, like Monopoly, and you can uh, – I'm sorry, each person has a turn, like Monopoly. So it just goes around, and then you get to collect when other people roll, and then you get to trade with people, which I think is an added bonus compared to Monopoly. That's what I was going to say, the trading. And, I, and I'll say, like, I know that um... – at least the way that my friends and I play Monopoly, we will trade properties and things. Um, but I know that's not necessarily exactly how the game's supposed to that's be a house, That's a house rule. Monopoly's king of house rules. But I think that that's like the biggest part of this game because um, a, lot of, a lot of people, I, and I would say me personally, I approach the game as I'm not trading with anybody today. Like that's how oh, my yeah. mindset is every single time. And then I'm about seven rolls in, and then it's like I should probably trade. <laughs> yep, yep. Also, I'm still learning. I 100 thought it was bricks the whole time, and it's clay. That's it's a wild thing. I think I think it actually might be bricks. I don't know. They I look think, like think, brick, but it could I be think, clay. I think it might be brick too. I don't know why I said that. I'll say this. I was trying to talk to somebody about the game, and I sent them a link of the game. Somebody explained the game, and they also said it was clay. Oh, how about that? So, it could be. I don't know. I, I can't believe, like, um, like you sent that clip from Parks and Rec today. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd seen Parks and Rec long before, but I just never realized that on Ben's bachelor party, when they do the group bachelor party, that Ben – is the the Catan is the game that they play. Yeah. I had no idea. He's like, I told the fellas that all I wanted to do on my bachelor party was drink beer and play board games. I think they thought I was joking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, they actually play it in uh, Big Bang Theory. Do they really? Yeah, they play it in that, and they make fun of Sheldon because he's like, Sheldon obviously has never been laid, and so he's uh, he's like, gosh, I really want wood. Does anybody have any wood? And like they all start mess- laughing around. And uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. I I will say that like part of the game that makes it most fun, especially like it's it's quicker than Monopoly, which is nice because you know Monopoly games can can run a little bit long, so that's yeah. nice. But also, I think that in Monopoly at times. Um, especially when you're playing with friends, one person may be ahead and there's really not any way. Like if somebody has all the railroads and like a corner of Monopoly board, like you're pretty much screwed. So like, right. you know, you know, when you get down to the yellows and the greens, like I'm either going to jail or I'm going to hit the yellows and the greens and I'm going to have to come back around. Right. But here, Katana, Katana, there's more ways to win. Like in Monopoly, there's, there's one way to win. Get all the money. Yeah. And, and there's different like, strategy, but like, so like in Catan, you get these victory points where like a settlement's worth one point and cities are worth two points. And so if you only build settlements and cities, I think you finish with, yeah, you can, you can win with 10, but 
say you get trapped and you don't get the resources needed for a city and you can never build a city, well, then there's other ways. You can buy development cards and like those things have victory points in them. You can get two points for having the largest army, which is playing a, a certain card that gets to move a robber. Um, or you can get the longest road. So, I mean, like you said, it's better than Monopoly because there's more ways to win. Right. Like, again, imagine somebody, like, having, like, just dominate you guys, and then you're able to, like, block what's going on <laughs> for, like, so, like, you basically stop their flow of resources or stop yeah, their exactly. flow of money. Yeah. Like, that's what makes it dope. And, I mean, we were playing the other day, and you got out to such a quick run, but then everybody kept throwing the robber on you and we blocked your road off. So then you, you were double screwed, which is like for, for somebody who enjoys playing games. Like if I'm losing my only, <laughs> my only goal for the rest of the game is to prevent one person from winning. Right. And so I feel like there's more ways to like, not only try to win the game, but also manipulate what's happening in the game, which is dope. Yep. And it's really competitive. Monopoly is usually one person's winning or nobody, and everybody's just trying to hold it up. Catan, you can go three or four guys all competing for the win. So, and I know that, like, the normal board game is for three to four players, but when you... We played the extension pack. Right, when you put on the extension pack for up to five to six people, do people normally extend the number of points needed? Uh, no, depends on how many people are playing. So, I, hey, uh, Sam's brother came into town last week, and obviously we played with him. But, like, when we were during the week and it was just us two and Sam L wasn't wanting to play Catan, me and him would play one-on-one with two different colors each. Nice. So, like, I was orange and brown, and it was first to 20 points. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. So I'll say you had, so to like, work, you had to work your two teams together. You, um, obviously, like, we played uh, last Friday, and, like, you taught me the normal way to play. But since I've downloaded the app, I'll say that one of my more favorite things to do when it gets later at night, just because, like, I don't want to be knee-deep in, like, an hour game or something, I'll play, like, the city version where you put a settlement down first, but then the second thing you put down is a city. So everybody starts with three instead of two. Oh. And that kind of speeds up the game a little bit, but that makes it, that also makes it more strategic too, because, you know, when you start or when you start and you're picking things, you're like, well, I'll cheat and not necessarily, not necessarily cheat, but you may take your lumps and put your, your, your settlement on um, a two to one resource. So you could bounce back like that. But if one of your settlements is a city, then maybe you don't go that route and you say, I'm going to, you know, make sure that this city's sitting on three uh, intersections instead of just one. Right. I like that. Um, I want to play. I've got a house rule. So we play this when we're at my house is so when you're on the robber or when you put the robber on somebody's property, um, you obviously like normal, you have to choose which person. So if there's, if there's a resource, and there's two different players on that resource, mm-hmm. then you have to pick who you're going to steal from, right? Mm-hmm. So you put the robber on their resource, and then you got to pick who you're going to steal from. But as long as the robber is still there on that resource, you collect from that person the whole life of that resource. 
or the whole life of that robber. Ah, uh, okay. I like that. So like you like you put it on my six uh, wheat, and I'm like, oh shit! Now I can't get any wheat. Not only do I not get it, but you get it. Ah, uh, yeah. See, we'd be we'd have to scrap then. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we no. So I backhand that that damn robber across the room. Would <laughs> be like the kid in that gift who busts the table in half and flips I'm, it. No, I'm telling you, I I can already <laughs> see myself being pissed off about that damn robber. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? And the fact that nobody else would want to play a night card. Yeah, like why would like I mean they would in in if I well in particular if I had a night card but the robber wasn't on my particular number if i moved it on to or and was i really needed that to build some cities or something like it makes sense for me to try to move the, the robber right. yeah but see what would happen to me is i'd be getting bamboozled with that damn robber for about 20 turns and then finally play my night card to move it and somebody roll a seven put it right back on me <laughs> You spent like you after like six turns around the board. You finally got enough to to buy a night card, and then you spend it, and then the next turn's a seven. <laughs> no, every time that's how it happens on online, and I just one day I'm gonna hunt these computer people down and just go fight <laughs> them because they cheat so bad online. <laughs> hey, honest question though, I'm gonna have to ask somebody much more um, uh, trustworthy or or um, knowledgeable about this situation because it seems to me like Catan has gotten a lot more popular because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if it's the show like the TV shows because I sure shit didn't watch it and was like oh that sounds like a cool game I want to go play Catan but um, like my little my little brother-in-law is saying hey we gotta play everybody's playing it so then I play it get hooked on it Justice has been playing it mm-hmm. and then I like you see on uh, Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Grant Williams, the current forward for Tennessee, is walking off the plane in the NCAA tournament, and they're playing Catan at the hotel room, like the night before the game. I'm looking online right now. They got a Catan virtual reality. Wow. What? <laughs> I cannot look at this page any longer because I have a job and I cannot afford to lose <laughs> that job. But that looks dope, though. Like, you can play it on your Mac. You can, I'm just, like, I will say that, like, I had only seen you and, like, that group of guys play. Yeah. Um, Outside of Parks and Rec, of course. But then, like, now I'm starting, I guess now that I'm aware, I see it more frequently than when right. I wasn't aware of it. Right. But, like, I would, I would consider myself, like, a board game player. Like, I enjoy playing board games like it's just yeah. that's something that's fun to me so no, I'd, yeah I'd, I'd say so like adding that that this one in here is huge for me yeah plus Lindsay's starting to play it so like you're in big trouble oh yeah oh she like she's gonna make it not fun because she'll get so good at it i'll be like okay i don't want to play anymore <laughs> no it's a lose lose because you lose and then or you beat her ass so bad that she's all pissed off like i don't want to play anymore right it's, it's gonna only go one way for us <laughs> But I would say would okay. I know we talk Mount Rushmore's a lot on here, but would that would Catan be in your Mount Rushmore games? I think it is. It's got to be. I don't. Yeah. Like I am very much, um, you know, a person of the current situation. So yes, like 
I would say right now it is, I'd really have to sit down and think on like all the board games I play. But like that one's pretty good. That was really good. good. My my personal favorite as a kid, I loved Pictionary. That was always a family game. And that was always a family game. We I loved Pictionary. We played I'm trying to we played a lot of sorry growing up. Is that the one where you gotta pop it in the middle? No, that's trouble. We played trouble, remember trouble, we played yeah. we played a lot of trouble um at home as well. We played a lot of trouble, a lot of sorry. Um we played this at your house the other day, but aggravation. We played a that, that game was fun. <laughs> we played a lot of that. Um Yahtzee? Guess who? Is that a, Yah- is that a Yahtzee? Game? Uh I consider that like a dice game because it's more yeah. like Yahtzee, dominoes, Domino, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Um did you ever play Sequence? Sequence. What's that? It's when the deck of cards is like laid out on a board. Like every card is laid out and they're all in order. And you'd like, so it's on the board, little pictures of, of, all, of every card. And then you're mm-hmm. a color of token. So then you draw a card. And then if you get like the five of diamonds, then you put it on the five of diamonds on the board. And your goal is to get five in a row, diagonal, left, right, up, down. No, I didn't play that, but yeah, I'd, I'd have been in on that one too. No, that's great. That was always a family favorite. Pictionary, Sequence, I put Catan on there, and I love this game. We don't play it very much, but I love um, Scrabble. I like Scrabble. I'm a big fan of that. It's it's tough to like. It's easier now that like Words with Friends came out because it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, but like I was a big fan of of Scrabble. Um, I was I I liked playing Clue. Clue was very fun to me. I liked Clue. Yeah, I did too. Uh, Clue's a good game. Is checkers a board game? Yeah. So I, I mean, would, I would call it I, that and chess. The original board game has got to be chess, right? Like I was thinking about this. What was the game that like a deck of cards was made for? I don't know. Let's see. You know what I mean? Like, what was like? Who was just saying, "Hey, I really want to play this game, and I got this idea. I got to build these cards with these pictures on it, like King, Queen, Joker, all that stuff." Let's see. Let's see if I can Google it. It says playing cards first entered Europe in the late 14th century, probably from Egypt, with suits very similar to tarot suites or tarot suits. Uh, uh, swords, I got you. staves, cups, and coins. Um, I'm looking at the history of like playing cards. No, I like that. That's that. That makes that makes sense. But like even then, like what was, uh, like what was the game? Yeah. Okay. Even earlier, playing cards were invented in ancient China. Huh. Early as the 19th century, under the Tang Dynasty. How about that? Learn something new. It says, the first reference to a card game in world history dates no later than the 19th century when the collection of Messaliana, uh, I'm reading here, it's called Playing the, the Leaf Game. Huh. Huh. That's why I feel like, I didn't know I feel that. Like Bill, I feel like Bill Nye the Science Guy. Like, the more you know. I don't know if <laughs> you, you remember that. star going across the screen. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's wild, though. Like, I, 
I'm guessing everything kind of branched from there. Um, did you play backgammon growing up? Nope. Nope. Uh, my dad loved backgammon, so I played a lot of that uh, growing up. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, guess who was one we played a lot? I said that one already. Mine would probably be like Monopoly, backgammon, sorry, and probably Catan now, like honestly. Yeah. I just, it's that It's fun. such a good game. It's such a good game. And it makes it like, and the thing, I guess one thing we forgot to mention about the game that also makes it um, a little bit more difficult to conquer and be very, very good at is because the board always changes. Like, yeah, it's never the same from game to game. So it's like, yes, my, my current strategy might work for this game, but if we play two games, the board may be com- completely different and I may be sitting on completely different resources and the ability to collect those. Yeah, plus you probably won't get like the same order of layout. Like Right. Oh, I'm talking about of, of when to lay them out, like, the order of which players get to go first. The setup, yeah. So I think that that... That'd be an that interesting makes... take on Monopoly of like which settlements like it would be like it, this is what it would be like a monopoly if Catan was monopoly all the dollar values change so all the all the um properties are the same color and they stay put on the board but the dollar but, but the but the dollar amounts change so like you could have a $500 park place next to $350 uh Marvin Gardens which is a yellow usually a le- yellow but like those prize values could be on the light blues at the beginning. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to buy, I'm going to put my houses on the light blues to start the game off. And so you're right. just trying to make, you're trying to make as much money as possible and hope that people land on that one that randomly. I am very much a, for monopoly purposes, I try to get a corner. If I can get yeah. a corner, I got a pretty good chance of winning. If I can't get a corner, I'd love to do the red and yellow strip. That's good. But the, in my opinion, I'm always so successful when I get the, um, when I get the, um, the light blues. If I get a monopoly uh, on the light blues. Like Oriental Connecticut. Yep. And um, if you get those, because those are the cheapest hotels. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know how it's like, it takes money to make money. Right. Well, like you can buy the reds or you can like buy them individually, but if you can people are willing to give up the light blue. So like, oh, I got this yellow Marvin Gardens. Take like give me the blue in $100 cash and I'll give you Marvin Gardens. I don't want it. And people see them dollar signs and like, oh, sure, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. But then they buy it and they can never put properties on it so they don't get as much. Meanwhile, I'm buying four houses that I'm collecting $400 every time. They might not pay off as much, but I got there quicker. Right. Do you play like you have to go around the board once before you can start buying stuff? Nope. Mm. We used we used to growing up, but I stopped that cuz that's not a real that's not a real That's that not a real rule. That's 100% a house rule for us like got to go That was always a house rule for me too though. That was always yeah, same thing. I'm I like Again, I like going for like the Ventura Marvin Gardens into like North Carolina and Pennsylvania, like the yellows to greens, just because like 
you're so focused on, I got to dodge, go to jail. And there's so many more that you can hit there. Because if you don't have, especially if you have somebody who owns electric company and waterworks. Yep. If you land on one of those, you're paying like whatever the price is on the dice, which hurts you. So you're worried about that. You're worried about the yellows and the greens. If you shoot too long, you either hit jail or you hit like short line. So you're paying on the railroads. And then you're just like, dang. And normally what happens is like when you get later in the game and people are running low on money, they're just dying to try to get to go. And they got to come through that last round. You're just bopping people's head for their for their coins. Yep. Um, Well, speaking of like we mentioned Grant Williams and Catan getting really popular. Um, yeah, obviously Catan worked for Tennessee cause they, they edged out a couple good wins. Yeah. They, uh, in that little bracket, I did not have Tennessee going that far. Yeah. The, the, the beginning of the Colgate game and, and well, I'd say the beginning, like the end of the first half, beginning of the second half was rough, but they finally settled in and took care of that one. Um, I thought the Iowa game, the the first half Tennessee team is the team that most people in the tournament don't want to see. And that's oh, yeah. the team that Kentucky saw in Knoxville. So, like, I've seen them play where they're just, you know, they're distributing the ball. They're taking good shots. They're, they're letting the offense work for itself and then getting a good bucket rather than trying to force something. That's the Tennessee that um, could make a run in this tournament. The second half Tennessee is the Tennessee that, you know, gets beat by 20 by Auburn, gets beat by 20 by Kentucky, like blows a 25-point lead. Like, you, you just see, and, and it's wild to me that, you know, people people always give Cal so much, so much crap about, oh, he's got the youngest team, and you can't do it with all these young people, and you need seniors and all these things. I see Tennessee laced with veteran leadership. And they couldn't stop a nosebleed. They had nobody to settle them down to stop Iowa's run. So it's I true. think the the more that we, you know, the more we get into, and I know the rule is probably about to change, but the more we get closer to more one and dones or two and dones, like the less I think the importance of senior leadership matters. And yeah, that's true. You know, and no slap in the face against Tennessee, but they just haven't been there before. So even though they got senior leadership, it's kind of a new thing for them anyway. Well, I don't think that they'll. I don't. I don't know what team's going to show up against Purdue though. You know, if they play. Or like they if, play second or, half. They're in trouble. Yeah, and if Purdue's on that, Carson Edwards. I mean, he scored forty-two points. Did that bracket though? The South was terrible. Golly, <laughs> I think I picked Ole Miss. Yes, I picked Ole Miss in Oklahoma. I won that one. I got Virginia. I got Oregon. Um, I picked Kansas State over UC Irvine. St. Mary's was my upset, up big upset pick, and they uh, beat Villanova. I get lost Iowa Cincinnati. So that bracket was terrible. Yeah, that one was probably my worst one as well. I had. I picked Ole Miss as well. Didn't work. I picked Wisconsin. That didn't work. The one saving grace in that side of the bracket is I did pick UC Irvine, which was a nice win. Uh, But I had Wisconsin winning two games, so that killed me. I had Villanova winning two games. They got their 
doors blown off by Purdue. And then I had Cincy beating Iowa. So that part that part of the bracket was just poor. But I think that as wild as this sounds, like and I'd love for them to lose in the Sweet Sixteen, I think a Tennessee and Virginia matchup would be a really good game in the Elite Eight on uh yeah. on Saturday. I think Tennessee would like that like that matchup. But um and then if you go to the other side of the bracket, so I went four and four in the south, but in the east I went eight and zero: Duke, UCF, Liberty, Virginia Tech, Maryland, LSU, Minnesota, and Michigan State. I see you. Yeah, I I did not have any that I went flush like eight and zero in. Um, yeah, I missed that one because Louisville. I had Belmont and I had uh, Mississippi State, so. But I also had all those teams losing their second game, so it didn't hurt me as bad. So, like, my, my Sweet 16 played out perfect on that side. Yeah. But um, Mine did not Louisville. play out perfect. I picked I – picked, I, I don't know. I can't remember because on the show I picked LSU, but then I can't remember right after I did it that I switched it to Maryland because I made a little note and uh, initialed it. <laughs> um, I think you took LSU. I believe so. So so that would have been, I got three out of four, uh, three out of four Sweet 16 teams. And to like highlight that, I think the Duke and Virginia Tech matchup would be nice. They only played once during the regular season. Virginia Tech beat them, but they were without Zion. So that'll be an interesting matchup. LSU and Michigan State will be a really good matchup. And it's one of those two where, like I've said it before and it really hasn't come to fruition yet, but like this may be when not having a head coach comes in to hurt them because when you get against a guy who has just consistently been there and consistently gotten the most out of his team, like Coach Izzo for so long, it's hard for you to have an intern guy coach against him and get the most out of his team and make the necessary adjustments and do the things you need to do to win that, that game. So, well, I'm, not only not only that, but like um, the fact that they had to come back from behind with Maryland. Yeah, that too. You know what I mean? They they kind of skated away with one too right there at the end of the game. So um, who knows how that? Maybe they they kind of lets the monkey off the back because they're not afraid of losing anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We'll see how it goes. That'll be a good one. Um, in the bottom half of the bracket. Um, I had, again, three losses in the first round, but almost I went three for four in my Sweet 16. I picked Syracuse. That didn't happen. I picked, uh, oh, no, I just, I missed two. Excuse me. I picked Syracuse. That didn't happen. And I picked Nevada. That didn't happen. No, Um, it didn't. (laughs) That did not happen at all. Boy. Um, Only game I missed in this bracket was Marquette and Murray State. (laughs) That's the one I got. And, I'm la- I laugh because Justice was on here giving me shit because I didn't pick like I wanted to pick them to beat Florida State and I didn't and thankfully I went with my gut because Florida State just that's when like I felt like the reason why I took Murray State is because while Marquette's Marquette was really good they were they were pretty much a one man show and so I thought I I was just playing off the fact that I think that. John Morant would outshine 
Um, and so that's why I went with them. But on the Florida State, you kind of saw how the talent discrepancy caught up with them. Like, they just didn't have the horses to no. run with Florida State. And, and John Morant played a hell of a game, but they just didn't they didn't have the guys to go with him. Wow, he was really good. I really liked really liked watching him play, especially that first game. God, he was incredible. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to see now where things shake out. Um I know that we we kind of brought it up on the show last week, but I'm uh RJ Barrett might be sliding. Like he might because the the guy from the guy from Texas Tech, Culver, like he's pretty good too. And I think that I think RJ Barrett will probably go three just because he had so he was like the clear cut number one coming into the season and I don't think people will allow that hype to die out. But if it was me drafting just based upon what I've saw through the entire year, I might have to take Culver at three or ahead of RJ Barrett. Yeah, in basketball it's not really about what you need either, right? Like in football you're like, I just got a quarterback. I'm not taking a quarterback. Like in basketball, right. you just take players, right? Right, and I say, uh, you know, I listen. I've talked about this a lot, but I listen to a lot of Jalen and Jacoby, and Jalen's very much known for saying that basketball is a positionless game now. So, um, you know, you can have a guy who, like Ben Simmons who could potentially play some stretch four, but also be your point guard, and it's not really limited to just. Oh, he's a point guard. He plays point guard, and he's a shooting guard. He plays shooting guard. Like everybody can play different positions. So I think that you know, when you have that capability, it's to your point. It's less of oh, I have to get him because he plays center. More of I could just take whoever fits like the mold of my team. Right. Who who's the best positionless player in football? Don't you love those guys? Like the um. Devin Hester's of the world uh, um, in college. Who's the kid from Michigan? Uh, uh, Jabril, Jabril Peppers. Peppers. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was about to say. Well, who's the kid from Michigan? Charles Woodson was. Is yeah, like <laughs> that was yeah. him and Dion. Um, Dion can't skip over Miles Jack. Like Miles Jack was probably the most recent one who was truly positionless because he was toting the rock on offense and playing linebacker. Yeah, um, there was the kid. Um, was the linebacker from or the running back from Stanford? Didn't they have a guy going both ways? Oh, I feel like they did. No, they had a. No, that was a lie. I was gonna say they had a receiver. Was uh was was Toby Gerhardt playing both ways? I no. I don't think it was. Um. I'm trying to think. I know. I mean, obviously, Richard Sherman played offense for a few years there, and then sw- switched to defense. But um, I, I had a guy for. Uh, I had a guy for um, um, Ohio State in 2002. Last time they won the national title. Hold on! Don't tell me. Um, he wore number seven, didn't he? Yeah. Um. What's <sighs> I can't think of it. They had a guy. Uh, his name was Chris Gamble. He played Gamble, for the Panthers for a long was. time. Yeah, he played in like the national title game. He led the team in receiving, and then like locked down um, Andre Je- uh, Andre Johnson the whole game. 
I had Dion Grant stuck in my head from Tennessee. I don't oh. know why, but I knew it wasn't that, but I could not think of his name. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Adore Jackson, too. That's another one. Yep. I feel like it's it's more likely that you see a receiver do both than anything else. Yeah, it's probably because of the wear and tear. I swear there was a linebacker. I think it was maybe Iowa State's quarterback, too, recently. Iowa State's quarterback played middle linebacker, and then they lost to a quarterback, so he went over, and he won, like, I think he won, like, three games, but he was linebacker all season. Huh. I, do you think that because the game is growing and the kids are more talented now that, I mean, like, you know, the whole ordeal of specializing one sport, but do you feel like kids are also starting to specialize in just one position also, or I'd agree. Yeah. Especially with like quarterbacks. Uh, those guys never play both ways anyway. That's what makes the Iowa state kid. So, so special. Cause he was a middle linebacker and then he's playing, um, quarterback. Um, Receivers, probably not so much because of their athleticism. And so many kids want to be a receiver mm-hmm. that it's like, nah, you can't catch. You're going to play defense. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's how I feel it goes. But um, I don't know. I've always wondered why, like, linemen don't do it as often in terms of, like, edge rushers to come in and be a fullback. You see that every now and then in, like, goal line instances. Alabama will do it. Uh, Clemson did it with Dexter Lawrence. Um, I saw a question one time. It was who – it was like pick a roster of 11-man football from your current favorite college football team. So you had to pick 11 guys from the roster, and to that's all ways. you – To play both ways. Like, I remember thinking about it with the Buckeyes, and it was like, this is back when JT Barrett was playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. So it was like, and they, but we did not pick JT Barrett to play quarterback because he would be such a liability on defense that we went with, um, yeah, I think, oh gosh, I think we went with Cardale Jones. <laughs> because he could play probably like defensive end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I don't know. I'd have to really sit down sit down and think about it for UK, but I know that I picked Lynn Bowden because or Bowden because he played quarterback in high school. Right. So it's like and he's fast enough he could play probably like depending on what defense I ran, some corner or some nickel or something. Right. But it's tough. I got another one for you. So we're talking about multi. We're talking about like multi-position people, but we'll let that transition. Or we we brought him up earlier and we talked about Dion, but wanted to bring up the fact that tomorrow is opening day in the Major League Baseball. That people get people get hyped about that. Are you one of those guys that skips work to go? I won't skip work to go, but like I. So, and the one reason why is because we play at three tomorrow, but like last year, we, our first pitch, like we had the first pitch, um, in the entire major league. We, sorry, I'm a Cubs fan. If any of y'all remember that from episode one, but we had the first pitch of the season last year and it was at one o'clock. And so like me and a couple of the guys that I work with that are Cubs fans, 
went down and got lunch to watch the game and uh, caught some of it. But like, I'm very much, it's, I will say that the beginning of the season is always very exciting for even, even the smaller baseball fans are always very excited for the beginning of the season where you start to lose people is right after all-star, like right around all-star break. So like the two weeks before all-star break and about the month after all-star break. Cause it's like, it's August. We're so ready for football and you kind of lose people in there until the playoffs come around. Right. I'd say but, I've been hooked on, on fall baseball recently. I'm, and I'm, I consider myself a mediocre fan of baseball. Like, I like baseball. I like its place in American history. I think every kid should play baseball one time because it's a fun game. It teaches patience. It teaches how to cope with failure because you're you're just not going to be successful very often. It it really teaches you pressure because there's no hiding when you're up to bat. So um, I'm just not – I like you said, I'm just uh, – I lose interest in the middle of the season. And it's – I mean, it's tough. It's like – I mean, especially, like I said, in, in – Late June, July, August, there's nothing else on. Like, it is just baseball. And I think one of the things that is a big issue now that they're trying to work to fix is the length of the games. And with people having so much um, information, technology, all those things at their fingertips, nobody's just sitting around for three-something hours to watch a baseball game. They're just right. not going to do it. So you got to figure out a way to, one – continue to make the the games exciting and entertaining so people i mean because most people i would say most people would say that they enjoy going to baseball games like love going to baseball games but they won't watch on tv right and i think that that's the biggest hurdle that they have to they have to get over is like how can we make it exciting for the people at home to want to watch the majority of 162 games I think that that's an issue too. Like it's just fatigue. Like football, I know, or I know, UK has a guaranteed twelve games. We may get more, we we may not, but we have twelve guaranteed games. I need to tune in to all twelve. But the Cubs have one hundred and sixty-two games. I'm not going to watch one hundred and sixty-two games. I may watch somewhere in like one ten, but I ain't going to watch one sixty-two. No. Well, I'm looking at – so I'm a Cubs fan, and uh, mildly. And I'm looking at the first time they have a home series against the Cubs. Um, You're a Reds fan. Oh, shit. I'm sitting here reading the Cubs. Wow. <laughs> let's just let's just, re- let's just restart that whole thing. Okay. Just start with uh, – so I'm mildly a, a Reds fan. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not editing that for what it's worth. Just yeah, keep you going. yeah, you need. Yeah, you need. Well, I'm mildly a Reds fan, so I'm looking at the schedule here, and the first home series they have against the Cubs is in May. Oh shit, I'm still in school. Um, May 14th, 15th, and 16th. The opening night of that series, it's a Tuesday night. Is Bark in the Park? So we can take Miles. Oh, that's take a Brooks. that's a great that's a great thing that baseball stadiums do. Good old Bark in the Park. Take the pups. And then the 15th, the next day, is the Game of Thrones ticket package. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. And then the next day, just empty it out with Thirsty Thursdays with drinks. Oh. oh, man. Like, 
we used to so Lexington had a um a minor league team and they used to do like dollar beers and like dollar hot dogs on Thursday. Oh, oh man. man. Hey, like, hey, so Columbus Clippers, um they're my our minor league team, we had Dime a dog night. Oh, so you oh, you'd get ten for a dollar. It was Jesus incredible. Christ. It was incredible. Yeah, it. And you would legit order ten hot dogs and you're yeah. just like three deep and you're like, I can't eat seven hot dogs. Why did I why did I order ten? Because they were ten cents. That's why I ordered ten. ten. Like, you can have pocket dogs for the ride home. Why why do I do anything that, over moderation? Because there's a deal. Like I'm the guy that goes to Kroger and it's <laughs> ten for ten. It's like, yeah, there'll be a dollar each one. I'm like, nope. I'm gonna buy ten because they're ten for ten. I'm like Yep. <laughs> No, that's just time. dumb. That's just dumb to do that. If they're gonna be they a get, dollar, just buy what you need. But if it's like, hey, you gotta buy all ten to get the deal, then you sure as shit can buy ten. They get me oh, every hold, time. Hold on a second, my pizza's here. Hey, my bad. I'm back. I got my pizza. <laughs> what toppings you get? I got the zesty Italian trio, banana peppers, six cheese blend, pepperoni. Sausage and I think salami. You get that from Donato's? I sure as shit didn't. I got Papa oh. John's. Oh boy, here he goes. Here he goes. It's did the worst pizza, but it's the only place it'll deliver. Did they did they deliver it with a red hat too? No, I was a black guy. <laughs> with a with a black hat. <laughs> um the best thing about Papa John's is like their crust is pretty good. But the garlic sauce, like that's oh, what I makes. Just, I just dipped it in the garlic sauce. It tastes so good. That's what makes it good. I'm convinced but, there's more calories in that garlic sauce than there is in the entire pizza. <laughs> it's very possible. Here's the thing: like it's it's too good to not be loaded oh, with calories. It, it's, that's, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's too good. <laughs> um, you, uh, I'm laughing, but also because you brought up um the first Cubs and Red series. Yeah. And there uh, there was an article released today that um, it, at Wrigley Field on back-to-back nights, they're doing Grateful Dead night and Game of Thrones night back-to-back <laughs> at Wrigley really? Field. And they're just like, oh, it's going to be a show for 48 hours. I'm a huge fan. Is weed, and- is weed legalized in Illinois? Not legalized. I think uh, medically it is, but not not legalized. And there's going to be a lot of sick people at that at that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think that there's as much like well, and I could 100 percent be wrong. I don't know if there's as much like people advising it and looking for it there as other places. I get what you're trying to say. So they can get away with it. All those cops are on the south side. Right, like they're. Like in Rig, like I've been to Wrigleyville about ten times in my life. I've seen a bunch of cops maybe once, and that was like in a bar fight. Like they're just not down there messing around. Or if they were like Nashville police, you'd say, "Hey, we got somebody in a bar fight down here in Wrigleyville," and they're like, "Okay, we'll be there in a couple hours." <laughs> yeah, we got you. Uh, just hold them there till we get there. <laughs> just, just, uh, <laughs> just hold on to them till we get there. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Do you think that any other sport could get away with bark at the park? 
Um, no, I think it's just so crowded at other sports. Mm-hmm. I feel like soccer could do it because they're hipsters. Yeah, probably. I just feel like there's not like normally in baseball, there's a little bit more space in between seats and stuff where you can, and there's like walking pavilions where you can still see the game, but also like have your dog with you. Like I'm thinking like in, in, um, in football, like you're either in your seat, but if you're not in your seat, like you're out in the, the like concession area, you can't see the game from there. Right. What I'm, what I'm, most interested in is not that that other sports can do those events but when are other sports going to start adopting that the coach or manager wears the same thing as the as the players (laughs) could you imagine you could imagine imagine belichick in like full (laughs) pass a helmet he's trying to like hold a clipboard and a helmet at the same time (laughs) and it just won't balance on there or um i was thinking about um doing the handshake and like the Titans and uh, the Patriots are playing and you'd have uh, Mike Vrabel in full pads with Belichick. Belichick. I'm just thinking about like, I'm sure basketball coaches would be like elated. Like you ever watch like (laughs) all those coaches who like sweat through their suits, (laughs) but like they always sweat through their suits and it's like, man, I get to just have my, my arms out. But like the amount of like terrible in shape arms that (laughs) Yeah. Or out of shape arms you out have to shape, see. Yeah. That'd be that'd be pretty good. That's hilarious. Uh, um let me think about this. And I'm just like in my head thinking of one in particular, but like I also think that baseball stadiums have like the most unique environments or like setups. Like pretty much all football stadiums are the same. But like what makes the big house, the big house, or what makes, um, you know, wherever, wherever, is just basically the amount of seats. Like, at the end of the day, it's all the same, you know? But, like, you could play a three-game series in Baltimore and then have to go to Boston and play the Green Monster, and it's a totally different field. Like, there's that giant wall in left field like i just think like that's incredible i'm thinking of like mccovey cove like for san francisco where well, people you're talking just, like, about the dimensions canoes. actually change well the dimensions like in, yeah but like in football could you imagine if it's like we're going to the vault we're going to baltimore um to see the ravens and who they play in the playoffs um chargers who they lose to the chargers and philip rivers is pissed because the end zone's two yards shorter Right, or there's like a hill in the, in the, in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking like, there's all they all got like their really cool things. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, the Cubs have been around all these years. There's all these like new, um, these new like, not technological advances because that's not it, but like new upgrades. But there's still still bleachers um, out in the outfield. There's still the condos with the bleachers on top of them where you can watch the game from. Like, McCovey Cove, in San Francisco, you can canoe up to like behind right right field and just like wait on home runs. It's just like yep. there's so many like dope, unique things about baseball stadiums. So that's what that, and like that's always been one of my particular like bucket list things of like I want to try to go to all the stadiums. That'd be cool. My roommate in college 
when I went to Air Force, he was a hockey player, and he, um, he he's got that same list. Every time he goes to one, he checks one off. It'd be, I mean, it, it it's it's one of those that's like, it's easy to get started on that list because if you start in New York or in California, you can knock off ten. Like, if you started in New York and then went to California, you could knock off almost ten. Because right. you could do the Giants, you could do the Angels, you could do the Dodgers, and that's all in California or and, and Oakland. That's in California. Mm-hmm. If you went to New York, you could do the Mets, the Yankees, a quick train to Boston, a quick train to Philly. Like that's putting you right there at like seven There's or two, eight already. Two New York, yeah, two New York teams. Right. So, like that'd be cool. And I just think like, I mean, they're all very unique, and it's just something that. Like I've been to uh, Coors Field before, mm-hmm. and like they have the purple line of seats that's at like exactly a mile high in the stadium, which is like incredible. Like in the stadium, and it's a mile yeah. high. Plus, they're like the stadiums are decorated and the culture or landscape that the stadium is in. Like uh, Coors Field's got the outfield with like the pine trees and the rocky stream going through it, right? And all that stuff. Right. They uh. <laughs> We should have looked for this this year, but they did a thing last year where it was like uh, you could buy a ticket to this convention and all um, 30 major league teams were there and um, they all would they all cooked their new additions to their menu for the That's year coming. And no. it's just like the most like gluttonous out of control shit ever. But it's just like, you know, shrimp like. Shrimp and fries and 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 Dooley sausage with nacho cheese on it, <laughs> like sandwiches right. and stuff. Yep. it's so wild. Like I think one year they like had the... like a foot long not or like chili cheese dog. Yep, I seen like the hats with the with the nacho bowl. Oh like my god, the, the outfield cap. <laughs> I'm sorry, the 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 batting helmet. The batting helmet with it. Yep. 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 I'll tell you this: if you ever get the chance to. You should 100% try it. Um, I um, I got some tickets one time uh, to sit in the club level for actually a Cincinnati Reds and Cubs game. And, oh, it was, yeah, it was the day after your wedding. Forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, but, that's right. So we, we get there and obviously, like, completely hungover. And we didn't eat breakfast when we left because we were just trying to get down to the game. But we get there. And basically, like, club level with our tickets, like, you had access. Everything was free but alcohol. So they had, like, bagged peanuts that you could get. That was free. They had unlimited soft-serve ice cream. That was free. They had unlimited sodas and water. That was free. And then they had, like, these just different areas of food. So they had um, pizza area. They had a nacho area. They had tacos area. They had burger area, hot dog area, and I was just like, I should not be eating like this, but I'm going to. <laughs> well, you have to because it's free. Yeah, it's free. Like, what? Like, yeah, I'll eat half this hot dog and throw it out and go get me half a burger because it's free. Oh, yeah. But it's awesome. And, like, the way that Cincinnati's the Great American Ballpark is set up, like, the way the sun rises, like, the sun was on the opposite or it was on our backside behind the stadium so we were sitting in the shade like we were on the cubs side the cubs won like it was it's awesome like a perfect but, reprieve from how 
like hurt I was the previous two days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would 100% recommend like get you some tickets to um, like in a club level. Like you might have to splurge on them, but like it's so worth it because if you think about it, like the club level tickets might be $120 like a piece. Yep. But like a normal ticket may be $40. But by the time I buy that, I buy a hot a dog beers. and a beer and a nachos and maybe like an ice cream or something. I'm hell, I'm close enough. To, I probably right. I might not be at a hundred bucks, but I might be at seven. And you get and you get unlimited, right? So it's like okay, cool. I take two hot dogs to go or something like you, like you're gonna get your money's worth. Especially like I think like the hot dog stand and the hamburger stand were available prior to the start of the game, so you could you could be eating those during like warm ups right before the game starts. So it's like you get your money's worth, right? No, we got to do that. A little summertime. That's the toughest time to watch Sports Center or sports <laughs> so, at all. I mean, it's just every play. But going to a game is dynamite. So I'll take you up on the deal. <laughs> so you said okay. So you said it's hard to watch Sports Center. Then, what sport do you think has like when you see like a top ten? What sport usually has like the coolest highlights that make the top ten? I think I think soccer is the coolest highlights. Because that's, like, those people are so good. It's like witchcraft. I was going to say that or hockey because, like, I can't do a bicycle more trick shots. Yeah, there's more trick shots. Whereas, like, I would say more Americans could hit a baseball than could skate, like, ice skate. So, right, that just, or, like, more Americans could probably run and field a ground ball more than they could skate and uh, dike with a puck. You know, right. or deke, deke with a puck. And so it's just like taking into consideration how tough it is to do those things. Those are extraordinary. I will say, though, like, again, I'm a big baseball fan. So, like, watching, um, like, baseball tonight on ESPN and seeing, like, all the web gems and the home runs and stuff, that's one of the more fun things to me to do, like, at the end of the night. Just be like, oh, look at all these people flash leather for – 15 minutes before yep. we go to break. Yep. Um, wow. You want to, you want to wrap this up here soon? Yeah. 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 I was going to ask okay. you if you, so you're, you're a Reds fan. If you could only buy one person's Jersey this year, who would it be? I've always wanted a Joey Votto Jersey. He was always my favorite player for the Reds. Um, I liked, uh, Jay Bruce was okay. I like Brandon Phillips a lot. BP was, was my dog. He was so good. Um, I like Joey Votto. Um, Yasiel Puig would – I mean, I'm not big a, been a big Puig fan, but it's pretty cool that he plays for the Reds now. Yeah, I'm, I think that uh, the Reds fans are going to enjoy having him there. You said Joey Votto, and it just made me think of, like, this random stat. But yep, I know since he's about. been in the league, he's only popped up. Seven times, that's insane. And the average, and the average MLB player has popped up 127 times in that same time, time frame. frame. That's um, he's got a different. He's got another one. It's like a, like 500 straight games without an error or something like that. He's insane. Like, and I feel like part of him gets overshadowed because they haven't been as good, but also just like. I don't know. Like, 
He doesn't. He's not going to put up like the gaudy like first baseman home run numbers, but right. his consistency is really really good. Like right. if he played shortstop, his numbers would be extraordinary. But since he plays first base, typically people associate that with power rather than like consistency. Right. That's true. I would say that if I was going to, and I I said this last year, I'm somehow going to make this happen. I'm getting me a Javi Baez jersey this year. Like, come hell or high water, I'm getting a Javi jersey this year. Are um, they going to be good? Are they going to be good this year? I think we will. Um, the way I look at it is we won 95 games last year. We, we had a meltdown going into the end of the year, and we lost the play-in game to win the division and have the best record in the NL, which put us in the wild card game and we lost that in extra innings. So we had we had a bad end of the season. But the reason why I think this year we'll we'll still be fine is because we paid you Darvish like a hundred and twenty something million dollars and he was trash for like the two starts he had last year. And he ended up having like arm surgery and stuff because he was really hurt. If he gives us anything this year even if he's average this year, that's more than what we got last year. And Chris Bryant, same way. Chris Bryant was um, two years ago. He was the MVP, like let us at home runs. Like he was just incredible. And he was banged up for most of the year last year. So we didn't get a lot from him. Part of that is good because we got to play some other guys. But the part that sucks is like we only won 95 games and he was not very good at all. So it's like, do you take his one bad year or do you take the other three years where he's been right. really good? It's like, even if he's average versus like his good, we're still going to be a much better offensive team. And then that puts us, I think we're going to end up in probably the 97 to one-on-one range of games. One, I think we will win the division. Um, I think shockingly, I honestly think that the Cardinals will probably finish second in the division. Uh, they made a lot of moves also. I think the Reds are will be better. They just don't have a lot of pitching right now. No. Um, but I think offensively they'll be better. Uh, and then the Pirates will probably bring up the rear. But it'll be exciting. You For you, I think like you should definitely watch Javi. Like he, like, he is just like a person who plays. He I would relate him to like Russell Westbrook. There's a lot of things he does in the game. Okay. That just frustrate the hell out of you. Like his swing miss rate is god awful because like he chases a lot of bad pitches. But like last year, he worked on it a little bit better, and he had uh, he was in the MVP race until like the last two weeks of the year until Christian Yelich, uh, who plays for Milwaukee, took over and won it. But like if Javi like stays under control and doesn't chase, he's really really good because he's got so much power that he can swing with. But like. He's the guy that will, like, make an unbelievable play in the hole and, like, throw a guy out or steal a base and be dead to rights but, like, pull, like, a little swim move over the tag and then, like, get, he just plays the game with a lot of flair but also a lot of energy. And it's just, like, it's the give and take of it is so worth it. But He's a he's, he's a ball awesome. player. Yeah, absolutely. He's not just skilled, but he's a ball player. Like, yeah, he absolutely. likes to play the game. And I know that, you know, we're about to wrap it up and we – I'm going to bring this team up because Justice is a fan of them, but also um, Sam Grayson. But the Braves are really, really good. Like, I'm surprised really you weren't. I'm year. surprised you weren't a Braves fan when I met you. Well, and to 
I don't know how to explain this. Like, obviously, I did not grow up in a city or a state with baseball, so I did not have extreme loyalties to a baseball team. But I only watched, I only watched slash cheered for three baseball teams my whole life. I loved the Astros back when they had Bagwell, BGO, and Berkman. Like, I really, really loved that team. So I cheered for them a lot. But outside of that, like, we only had two channel, like two channels that played baseball growing up. So you either had TBS that had the Braves on it, or you had WGN who had the Cubs on it. So that's all I watched growing up. So, like, I've right. always only cheered and watched for those teams. As I got older... I migrated a little bit more towards the Cubs. It's probably like right after like the late 90s when Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and all them, like right after that team, I probably ended up watching a little bit more Cubs and migrating that way because, you know, I'd get home at 3, 3.30 in the afternoon and they'd be playing because they play a lot of day games. So that's where I started watching them. And then once I, and I kind of fell off from baseball for a little bit, but once I kind of got back into it, I was back living in Knoxville, so I was able to watch Cubs games and pick up on it a little bit more. And it's just kind of this new, younger, talented team that we have has kind of reignited that that enjoyment and excitement I get from baseball. So I'm excited for this year. Uh, but again, that Brace team there, I saw, I talk about like young, exciting pay, uh, players like uh, Ozzy Albies and uh, Ronald Acuna. Like they, those two dudes are. 21 and 22 i believe and like they're incredible what the and i like what they're building around i don't know yeah i don't know baseball like Mm -hmm. too well like i know enough to not sound like an idiot but i know robert acuna right like i mean like they can't so we we played the braves we we played them early in the year last year it was supposed to in chicago and it snowed, so it got, like, wiped out. So they ended up having to come back and play, like, later in the year. Oh, they, like, they just demolished us. They were just, them two specifically. Like, the Braves in general would be this, but them two. It's like every time they got up, it was like, ping, single, boom, double, home run, double. I'm like, God, stop pitching to them. Like, they're just destroying us. He's 21. He was born in 1997. I'm telling you. Golly. Both of them were born in 97. Uh, Acuna, late 97. Albie's early 97. So he's um, 22 now. But, I mean, like, and 22, 21 and 22 in the major leagues is extremely young. Right. Extremely young. Like, most people don't until they're later in their 20s. So for them to already be doing it is, like, incredible. That's extraordinary, yeah. I'd also like to bring up that um, the Braves have – um, assistant coach Ron Washington, who is probably one of my all-time favorite coaches. And every year they do like this story on him and the infielding drills he does with his uh, with his players. I might have to find it and post it on the uh, on the on our Twitter, but it's incredible. And when you see like how much work they put in to working on just fielding, it's like yeah. okay, I see it translate on the field with their players. And it's, I mean, it's a huge, in the world where every, like, chicks dig the long ball. Everybody's worried about offense. Like, being able to produce on the defensive end and being this this black hole of, hey, when the ball's hit that direction, this person's going to field it is incredible. And, like, a lot of people overlook that. 
And so I've I've watched it now three years. I've watched them with three different teams. I watched them in Texas do it. I watched them in Oakland do it. And I watched them with the Braves do it. And the, the drills he does are incredible. And, like, you just see it translate all the time. I you never realize how good they are to you actually go to a game too. Oh, like, it's <laughs> like you see it on TV and it's no big deal, but then you see the bat or the ball pop off that bat and you're like, "Ho!" Or like when the pitcher when the ball leaves the the pitcher's hand cuz you only watch it when it's coming right at you. You know that right. view and so it doesn't look like it's moving that fast. But you get the side view in person and those guys are incredible. I always laugh too of like you know, you when you're at a game and you're watching it, you see like a ball like leave the bat and you're like, oh, that's a double. And then like you see the you see the the center fielder come over and just cut down all that that grass and make the play like standing up trotting. Yeah. You're like, Jesus Christ, how did he like cover that much yep. space? It's like, oh yep. yeah, they're like for real, for real yep. out here. They're not professionals for no reason. <laughs> no doubt. So, all right, that's um, uh, that's uh, that'll be a wrap on our baseball season for probably until august so <laughs> don't 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 come back to peace of mind for a lot of baseball coverage it depends man if the cubs are rolling like y'all might hear about it every week <laughs> they lose the first they lose the first 10 no we're out hey, we we opened the season with a three game series in texas if we come out of that series one and two you might not hear from me again till <laughs> till playoff time if we're back <laughs> all right we'll be back in a couple minutes Welcome back to the Peace of Mind Podcast. Uh, I'm Kevin Jackson. I'm with AJ Nance. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we're at the favorite part of the segment. The legendary Mount Rushmore, uh, where we pick our top four of any category that you pick. And so, AJ, what's this week's category? Yeah, again, shout out to Nick Vanover for... Um, the category, but we're going to go with chain restaurants. Yeah, big big shout-out, because I actually like this one. I do, and an emphasis on chain restaurants. Like, I, I, I know there's a ton of, like, just delicious mom-and-pops, or there's three of these in a specific city, but I'm really sticking the chain here and, and, and going with that. I love a good chain restaurant. That's just my personality. Like I know I can get the same thing and I can travel and it's going to taste the exact same. So I can appreciate a good chain restaurant. I agree. I agree. All, All right. right so, so let's get started. Uh, you want to go first? I'm let, I'm letting you lead off on this one. All right. Uh, I'm going to go real simple right off the bat. Chipotle. Mm. Just a true, just set your watch by it. I know it's always going to be there. Wherever I go, um, I can get a good quality meal on the road, fast pace, and I know that I'm not eating fast food, so it's a it's a staple for me, Chipotle. Uh, second up, I got a place I don't go to very often, but the quintessential chain Italian restaurant. Uh, a little more upscale than Olive Garden, but I'm going Buca de Beppo. 
I love me some Olive Garden, but uh, I love Buca de Beppo. Um, you ever been to Buca de Beppo? I have not. What, uh, this might be now. I may be uh, a product of some localization here, but like I've never heard of it. Seriously, it's um. There's one in Columbus. Uh, there's a bunch in Florida. Um, I I think there's a couple in Columbus, but it's like um. You go there and they all look the exact same. It's like wall to wall covered in Italian photos. They serve family style like feasts. Like you don't just order spaghetti and meatballs for you. They come out with a giant plate of spaghetti and meatballs. Um, it's really, really like in terms of like chain food, Italian food, it's like mm -hmm. hearty, good meals. Uh, like not great. Like I've been to Italy. It's not like going to go toe to toe with those guys. But for a chain restaurant... It's pretty good. I think they've got like 50 locations across the country. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking them up now. It sounds like it sounds damn good. And I'm a big fan of, like, uh, Italian food. So, yeah, I, I'm i all in on going to try this out. Um, My next one is Ted's Montana Grill, which you there and I have been, to get, would have been together. Locate, original, uh, original location is in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, but headquarters in uh, Georgia started by Ted Turner. Um, they are famous for their bison burgers, delicious. and they are absolutely delicious. They are so much better than beef. So um, you ever get a chance to go to a Ted's Montana Grill, you're going to act like you're – you're going to feel like you're sitting in the the American West eating a bison burger. It's, it's damn good. Uh, <laughs> and then finally – is more like a regional favorite, but it's a chain restaurant called Roosters. It's uh, it's <laughs> very similar to like a Hooters, but without like the waitresses. Same style of restaurant. They look similar. The food is so much better. Their wings are incredible. They are monstrous, uh, monstrous wings. Um, absolutely delicious. So I, I don't hate that. So what was your your four again? I got Ted's Montana Grill, Buca de Beppo, Chipotle, and Roosters. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. Yeah, um, I will. I will kick this off by saying um, you you knocked one of mine out of there, which was Ted's. Um, my my dad's a huge fan of Ted's, so we typically will eat that when we're on the side of town where Ted's is. Um, I've had it in multiple cities, and it's been good in multiple cities consistent the burgers i really haven't had anything besides the bison burgers because they're that good yeah they're that meatloaf good. is good like i've heard everything else on on the menu is good so um that's always a go-to for us yeah number two you, you you hinted at it but you didn't go there uh olive garden yeah um, the breadsticks are quite <laughs> amazing bless you the breadsticks are quite amazing uh Endless salad. Uh, I mean, they're oh, just, the soup it's too. just the soups. I mean, I've not had a bad meal at, o, uh, at Olive Garden. So like, Ooh, that's always, there. I almost said, Oh, Charlie's, which I've also not had a bad meal at, but I mean, if you're asking me about my preference, definitely, uh, Olive Garden over, um, Oh, Charlie's my third. And I'm quite disturbed that you left this off your list. But this place has never, and I and I just want to put 
all the emphasis on never let me down before. It's Cheddar's, baby. Like, oh, and oh, I was looking at the list, and Cheddar's came on there. I just couldn't put it in my top four. Cheddar's is amazing. Like, and this is sp- spoken from a guy. I've been at my current job for five years. Like, I finally can like exist in the world and not count pennies to to make sure I'm not going broke. But even when I was counting pennies to make sure I wasn't going broke, like. I could still scrape together ten bucks and go get a hearty meal from Cheddar's. Uh, oh, that's that's a quality pick. I mean, it's just it's just consistently good. I don't know too many people that have had Cheddar's and said that they don't like it. So um, Cheddar's is on there, and number one, and this should simply just be number one on everybody's list. But if you don't. Just say you want an all-star special with your hash browns covered, chunked, and smothered. And if you don't ask for a peanut butter waffle with eggs and raisin toast and... First first off, that's incredible. Bacon and sausage. Peanut butter waffle is the worst thing on a Waffle House. It's delicious. And it cools me down on a warm summer day. <laughs> but I, I honestly think like um, Waffle House, obviously, just more prevalent in the South. Yes. Yeah. I don't even know if they're I don't know too many northern cities that have a Waffle House. I think they're just mostly like on the highways. But I, I mean, mean like, like like in terms of like like here in town in Nashville, we've got. We've got like, you know, in the city, but I yeah. think in the in and farther north locations, um, yeah, like there's there's a bunch in Ohio. One, two, three, two, four, like, five. There's Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Indiana. I mean, so I I think they're just mostly on highways, like truck stop kind of things. Got you. Most, I will say that uh, Waffle House is one of those places that uh, it's kind of like. Not food wise, not uh, you know anything else, but it's like In and Out. Like you might have had it, you might haven't, but you've definitely heard of it, right? Um, and so I mean, it's just like I said, it's consistently good. However, I will say, Waffle House, like any Waffle House location, like in Atlanta, is better than Waffle House anywhere else. Like it, I. I don't know how to explain it, but it's just better. Um, <laughs> but Waffle House is always good, and like it's good sober, it's good drunk. Like I don't care what your your status is, like it's still good. Would it shock you to tell uh, for me to tell you that there's 18 locations in Columbus? That would be shocking to me, actually. Like, just in Columbus? Yes, that would be shocking. Just in Columbus. And then there's, like, some farther out, like, in the highways, farther out of town. But just in Columbus, there's there's 18. You go through Cincinnati. All If you go from Cincinnati to Cleveland, just along the highway, there's probably mm-hmm. 25 or 30. I'm looking here at the list, and it doesn't say, Oh, I'm like, sorry, just, just because Cincinnati to Toledo, just along that 75. It doesn't say where, but it's just like saying like the number of locations. 
um, Ohio has 76 locations, which is way more as a state than I thought that they would have. But let me ask you a couple questions here. Obviously, you know what state has the most, right? Yeah, I think I know what you're going to ask. Okay. Who do you think has the second most locations? Um, Florida. Yeah, yeah. Florida has the second most. Um, There's a two-way tie for the least amount of locations. Can you Mm -hmm. guess either of the two states? Um... I'm I'm kind I'm cheating here. I can see the map, so I'm it's New Mexico and mm-hmm. would that be what New Jersey, Illinois, Illinois. Oh yeah, there well there you go. Mexico and Illinois both have New Mexico and Illinois both have two, but yep. I'm looking at this and it's actually kind of shocking to me. Is like. I didn't realize that Waffle House like had spread so far west. Um, Arizona has fifteen. Um, Texas has one hundred and seventeen. Like they're pretty far out west, which is which is crazy to me. But it's also wild to me that there's more locations in Ohio than there are in Kentucky. Yeah, I guess that would be pretty interesting. I think there's just more. I think there's I feel like more there's metropolitan cities. cities in right. Ohio. We've got Toledo, Cleveland area, Akron, Columbus, Cincinnati, Dayton. Dayton like, mm-hmm. yeah, like in I Kentucky, think you're basically looking at probably like Paducah, Hoptown, Louisville, Lexington, uh, right. Northern Kentucky. That's about it. Yeah. Bowling Green, but like E-Town, but there's not too many. Right. So, all right. So, recap. You've got. Uh, I went Cheddar's, Waffle Cheddar's, House, Waffle House, Olive Garden, and Ted's. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great top four. I can. I can I'm, respect that. I definitely think we need to post this one and get some feedback because I feel like somebody's gonna say something. I'm like, oh yeah, that one's really good. I should have remembered that one. Yep. So. All right, that's another successful Mount Rushmore. Tell us what you think. Uh, log on to uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, look us up um, at Peace of Mind 615 on both. Uh, tell us what you think. Um, your top four chain restaurants. I know some of you are probably like, gosh, how could you ever have a top four of chain restaurants? But, hey, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. It really ain't. And so, you could – you. I don't care who you are. You've had a chain restaurant and enjoyed it, so – yeah. Um, at some point let us, hit, let us know what you think and um d- debate us that's why we do it and we'd love to hear from y'all yep so appreciate you guys also that's going to wrap up our episode we're going to end it um on the mount rushmore segment appreciate you guys listening don't forget to rate review subscribe on uh apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to podcasts we really appreciate it. leave comments uh rate us five stars we'd really appreciate it uh, AJ, yes. thanks for coming out. Um, by the way, I'm having a uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oak tonight. Ooh. So uh, enjoy the bourbon. Keep the bourbon pouring, my friend. Absolutely. And uh, keep keep a lookout on all of our social media. We will be doing um, a bourbon giveaway here soon. Um, so keep an eye open for that. 
uh, details to follow, but we look forward to giving away some bur- some really good bourbon to some of our fans. Yep. And again, shout out to South Point Elementary School in Phoenix. Hope you guys enjoy those books. Y'all have a good night. Thanks for listening. See you.